Oh, it's really lodged up there. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> Kazoo. Kazoo filed a bank loan. Oh, fuck. <laughs> the, the, the second note I had in the, my music notes. Just oh, said, I got a panini in my nasal cavity. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The second note for music just said this movie is balls. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> music was balls. <laughs> I have in my notes for music. This movie is true rock bottom business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure was. All right. <clears throat> Dan, how you doing today? Doing good. Excited to tackle some art. Yeah. After last week, my goodness. Yeah. D- did I need a refresher? Um, and every once in a while, the Movie Blues podcast, we like to do this where we pick a really good director and watch one of his works that maybe we're not totally up up to snuff on, up to brief on. Relevant, <laughs> and um, that's what we did for David Cronenberg this time. Yeah, as one to do here on this podcast when we need to really upturn things. Yeah. However, I will say that this is the first episode in what will be known as Movie Blues Season Five B, <laughs> the Dark Ages, if you will. Yeah. And it so happens that this was where we break bad. Yeah. This is where if, you know, you know, where it's like uh, not even one for me, one for you. But like, yeah, when a now dr- that we roped everyone in, when now dr- we're pitching yeah. to Andre. When, <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when the real fun starts yeah. is uh, when we get into a groove, which in an infinite season, the groove, I guess, is, it began a few episodes ago. But like from here on out, we're going to get really dark it's gonna get really dark on this podcast we're gonna do sallow i think that our next two episodes should be sallow and fast and furious seven (laughs) god how we have so many left of this (laughs) and i feel like maybe it should even be one episode (laughs) and then that might be a good gimmick for um how you you know you've been saying like why would we still do Fast and Furious movies? How would we jazz up that concept? Right. And maybe like Fast and Furious versus Sallow is what this podcast really. <laughs> so it's like it's like Fast 10 versus the Poughkeepsie tapes. <laughs> and like we can compare them. Yeah. We can contrast them. They're all about family. <laughs> Holy shit. I, I, I didn't mean it. Don't worry, I don't have a rap. But Dan Enden does. Here we go, baby. Dan Enden on the mic. This is going well. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, this is my uh, shout out to that new Kendrick album. I'm just gonna talk real low about things. It's real out there, you know. My auntie is my auntie is a man. She's got a dick now. My, and that's cool with me. My auntie's got a dick. Art. <laughs> is that your Jeopardy segment? For t- <laughs> yeah. My Jeopardy segment is I've listened to this Kendrick album twice and it's just okay. <laughs> what do you think about that, Dan? I think I agree. Okay. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, it's a little too out there for you. I, I read this review late last night that was like, it was doing backflips to be like, Kendrick purposely made a terrible album. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, dude. That, it was on Stereo Gum. That was the whole, the review was literally trying to argue that so ridiculous. Kendrick is trying to subvert our expectations by purposely making an album with no bangers and that everyone hates. <laughs> I, this is and that's, I was that's I, like I was a, sitting there being like, man, Dan's always talking about how I'm ridiculous for thinking criticism is a bullshit medium. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's I mean okay, that's insanity. It's, it's a true art form. Yeah, he um, was like he was like Kendrick made it a double album, even though it's shorter than To Pimp a Butterfly. You know why? Because fuck you, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> and terrible album he did. <laughs> <laughs> um honestly they should have put that song on it. Demetrius is Marianne now. Monty's got a big old dick now. <laughs> Dude, did you listen to the song with Beth Gibbons from uh Portishead? I, I somehow missed that. The, it's the second to last tune and oh, it's, that's it's, why I missed it. And you probably skipped it because it's seven minutes long and the entire thing <sighs> is about Kendrick as a kid. Um his mom uh, being convinced that his uncle abused him and him being like <sighs> Nah, I didn't get abused, and his mom just like being like, "No, for real, you got abused." And then it turned out that it was because her uncle abused her, and then it becomes about like generational trauma. It's pretty brave. You know, it's not as good as what's that? Anyway, um, <clears throat> today we're talking about true art. Yeah. And let's start that discussion. Speaking of music, the intro music to this was... Oh, wait, wasn't there something I needed Jeopardy to be about this week? Do you want me to start a little Jeopardy for I you? don't remember. We were talking about how I need to talk... Oh, I'll save it. You've I was going to talk about something. Survivor 42. Yeah, you want to get that out I should have used that in the music episode. <laughs> Do you want to get that out up front, yes or no? Uh, No. No. I'll, I'll wait till the end of the season. We're going to forget. Oh, the end of the season. Okay. The end right. of yeah. Survivor... Give, give us a big The end of the Survivor season 42. Yeah, no, I know that yeah. because this season will never end. Yeah. We're on... 5B. I'm just saying, Survivor Season 42, return to form. 5B, return to form, much darker. Quality season. Um, <clears throat> Shout out to the production crew of Survivor 42, top half episode. You, you say one season. more thing, I'm pressing the Jeopardy button. All right, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> um, Omar's going to take this thing to the bank. More! <laughs> <laughs> um... So, uh, you know, I'm going to try to keep today's episode lively. We did a lot of, um, I would say, questionable things on the last episode myself. I mean, I went into an episode about specifically a deeply troubled autistic person with the intent to do at least 20 minutes of a Kenyan accent. <laughs> this week, I'm not really going to do that. Yeah. Um, so let's all just relax. Um, today, uh, we're going to be talking about David Cronenberg a little bit and then about the film Crash. Yeah. Um, let's start with, uh, I don't want to... Unless you have it written down or something. I don't need to go through an no, entire filmography, no. but let's just quick say what David Cronenberg movies we like and, and what he means to us personally. Yeah. I think Dan. We can probably, I mean. Ending. Uh, up first. I mean, obviously, my biggest frame of reference for you Cronenberg as a kid was The Fly, obviously. Me too. Um, I would. Fly, GGR. For the 10? 9.5? Around there. I haven't watched it in a 10. while, but it's. I'm gonna go hard, Dan. Pretty killer, and uh, as as you know very well, 
in the movie Blue's bathroom. Yeah, the fly. I have two. a giant poster of the fly two starring <laughs> Eric Stoltz. Ever seen that one? Yes. Okay, cool. If not, that would have been a good one for the pod. But all right, go on. Um, and I th- like I'm trying to think off the top of my head of like his filmography. But okay. It's so all over the place. And I, do you want me to kind of guide this? Yeah, sure. Because but yeah. I know for a fact that none of them do I like as much as I like the fly. That for me is not even true. There is, of course, a point at which uh, The Fly is the number one David Cronenberg movie for me. Um, it still oh, oh, is. Oh, wait. Did he make The Brood? Yes. All right. The Brood is great. It's not better than The Fly. No. I mean, you're not about to like die on this hill. No, no. Okay. But they're it's, probably, playing, it's probably Andre's favorite David they're, Cronenberg movie. They're playing movie. The Brood at the Philly Film Center next The Brood week. is fine. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not huge on it. It's slow as all hell. What I am huge on is... Um, uh, obviously the fly being the one that brought me into it. The fly is kind of like getting into John Carpenter via the thing. Yeah. Where it's just a perfect horror movie. And yeah. then you kind of look at the rest of his work and you're like, Oh, it's kind of more of the same crazy ass shit, but like different. Yeah, and yeah. with like the same general aesthetic throughout yeah, totally. certain periods. And then they started making bad movies like ghosts of Mars. Um, <laughs> David Cronenberg. Is that the ice cube movie? Yeah. Yeah, that was when John Carpenter really screwed the pitch. That movie is terrible. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, it's all of his trademarks. So if you go back and watch it with all of his other movies, it has so many similarities. It's just so bad. Yeah. Same font, same music style, cool. same everything. It's just terrible. Um, okay. Zero out of ten, Ghost of Mars. Hate that movie. It's like, <laughs> yeah. hate, hate, hate that yeah. movie. Really funny movie, but hate it. Um, yeah. All right. So what other Cronin boys you got? Um, uh, Dead Ringers is my favorite Cronenberg oh, movie. Oh, I forgot about Dead Ringers. Starring two Jeremy Irons as yeah. twin um, surgeons. Now, Dead Ringers is fire. <clears throat> let's get something right off the bat. There are two David Cronenbergs. There's the one that does like kind of other movies like History of Violence and Eastern Promises and things, yeah. Cosmopolis and things like that. And then there's David Cronenberg that does body horror, yeah, weird that's, schlock, that's et cetera. a psychotic pervert. Right. Which I think there's... <laughs> <laughs> Which I think there's plenty of movies that he has in both. He's yeah. way more in the psychotic pervert yeah. um, vibe. Then I, I have my first note is like we need to get up front. Like we're in agreement that Cronenberg is for sure a pervert, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Cronenberg uh, is as close to anyone in filmmaking as Clive Barker is to uh, writing books. Right. Cronenberg and Clive Barker have a lot of similarities. Yeah. The similarities are body horror, obviously. Yeah. Um, the corruption of technology upon man. The um, use of um, technology and violence in sexual ways yeah. that are particularly perverse. These are things that both of them. The use of I've the word do. anus. Lots of anus, sodomizing, yeah. uh, stuff like that. Um, trigger warning, lots of weird sex, gross stuff in this episode. Disgusting shit that I can't even believe I saw. Um, <laughs> uh, um and uh, for me, Cronenberg, like Dead Ringers is number one. If yeah. anyone listening to this hasn't seen Dead Ringers, you're missing an extremely When's the last time amazing, you watched Dead Ringers? Probably 10 years ago, but like I watched it like 100 times in like two years. I, I watched it like two months ago. Oh, yeah. Is it rough? A little it, bit? No. Oh, it's so good. No, it's Okay, good. Yeah, killer. Uh, that big, period big, of time. Big face-off vibes in terms of like it's dangerously like almost terrible but instead it just rolls well that through. i would say every cronenberg movie yeah. rides that line pretty hard um <laughs> yeah. personally my favorite current cronenberg movie above all else like i do dead ringers was my favorite for a while but like this one took the top spot and then got pushed back and now i think it's probably back to did being, he make existence yeah, yeah. is existence okay um 
that movie is just yeah that movie rules also everything that I love about David Cronenberg is packed into that movie whereas like The Fly it's his most I would argue commercial effort ever maybe yeah. um, and he got rewarded for that but like truly bizarre Cronenberg that for me is the movie that yeah. rides the line I need perfectly. to watch that it's been a long time um, it's like The Matrix what if extreme pervert plus insane <laughs> yeah. like schizophrenia it's, hell yeah it is really God, drop everything you're doing and and watch Existence. Anybody who's listening to this, it is, is so fucking epic of yeah, a movie. It's movie. like VR. It's like The Matrix. It's like tropes. Oh, I'm gonna watch that of, in VR this week. Of every science fiction movie, that would be a perfect one for VR. Actually, <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Uh, Eleven out of ten for Existence. Nice. Um, and uh, you know, I love History of Violence. I think it's all a perfect movie. That's the Viggo Mortensen yeah, picture. I have absolutely no yeah, complaints quality, about that movie. Quality film. I think it's just, Stop, just a solid movie. An incredible movie, an incredible comic book adaptation. It's just really good shit yeah. um, all around. Eastern Promises, I don't really vibe with, but never I understand. Never heard of it? This nope. is when, well, like kind of like Guillermo del Toro at one point, David Cronenberg was like, oh, I'm kind of doing movies for adults now mm-hmm. and not weird, twisted, like, like objectophiliacs <laughs> and fucking weirdos um and he made history of violence and they were like oh give that man an oscar and he yeah. was like "Ooh, i'll show you even more oscar and then he did eastern promises with vigo mortensen again okay which is the i would say spiritual s- sequel to history of violence okay because it shot the same same kind of violence vibe okay vigo in the forefront naked killing dudes with his butt cheeks hanging out it's a sick movie but it's so dark that I just never needed to watch it again. I was like, once felt good. And I think he won an Oscar or two for that, maybe. Okay. Um, it's a fantastic movie. Vigo Mortensen is insanely good in that movie. Nice. I'm surprised you haven't seen that one. Nope. And um, uh, I absolutely love Cosmopolis with Robert Pattinson. That movie is a fucking slamming Cronenberg. Like, Sick. I feel like you definitely have yeah, not seen that. No. That was from the last 10 years. Yeah, no, it's on my, I have it downloaded. I've never watched it. That one goes back into the body horror category a little bit and gets weird. And so who made Possessor? Poss- His son. Okay. Brandon Cronenberg. That was fire. Also. Yeah, that was fire. That but was that awesome. was like not, not, not like daddy does. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, this, this one used a little too much, uh, camera trickery to make up for his shortcomings. Um, so yeah, going into today's movie, psyched David Cronenberg. Yeah, I was thrilled that Dan was like, I don't remember anything about Crash. Mm-hmm, I've mm-hmm. been I've been pumped about this one for a while. And Dan has this one on Criterion. Yeah, I got the Blu-ray. It just came out. That's awesome. I had it pre-ordered. Just arrived recently, just in time to do it. And um, other than that, I'm gonna say that David Cronenberg for me is easily in my top five directors, living or dead. Um, I love his style, love all of his movies. They all do something very, very special for me. Um, and he's and just after today, even more so. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> and, um, he's just a God amongst men and is hilarious when he acts in movies. Yes. He's in so many movies as such weird His whole characters. vibe is so fucking ridiculous. Have you seen Nightbreed? No. Nightbreed is crazy it is this movie that david cronenberg and oh my god is it i don't want to fuck this up is nightbreed clive barker with cronenberg oh am i making that up sorry cell phone noise i would figure if that was the case you would have had it tattooed on you by now nightbreed oh sorry i'm just getting an email 
Nightbreed. Director Clive Barker. Wow. Music by Danny Elfman. Wow. Starring David Cronenberg. Wow. Terrible movie. <laughs> and this movie has a fucking legion of fans. Has a huge director's cut that I still like have been working up trying to see. This movie Let's is Let's do it for the podcast. So fucking bizarre. <laughs> It's like it, it starts as like an 80s romance, like greaser movie. Okay. And then the main character, greaser character, has like mental problems. His psychologist is David Cronenberg. And everything's going interesting. Imagine David Cronenberg as your psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know you're fucked. It feels, it feels like a David Cronenberg movie. It's okay. very weird. And then it launches into the main character discovering an underground city of what I would describe as um, island of Dr. Moreau creatures that are like men in like jaguar makeup, basically, like cats. Okay. Um, that like are an underground, like Lost Boys-esque gang <laughs> okay. who are being hunted by a mysterious serial killer who has buttons for eyes, who turns out to be David Cronenberg. It is terrible. <laughs> It's like if the movie Labyrinth took, like, a bad, like, research chemical. It is so weird and so upsetting, and I don't know why people like it. Big Coraline vibes. What I, yeah, it's very, like, whimsical, childish, but, like, from hell. I mean, it's literally, like, Clive Barker and David Cronenberg, and you'd think yeah. that that would... Yeah. You know, gestate the best movie of all time. But think how many... That movie stinks. Yeah, think how many fucking slaves they had sex with on the set of that movie. <laughs> I mean, yes. David Cronenberg. And yeah, just like a, what is just... A, like, like they were reenacting Salo on that set. What's a, like a coffee and cigarettes amongst, amongst those two at a diner? I can't even imagine. Just like talking about their pain. Yeah. One, oh, yeah. One of them's just like, I tried to fuck a car last week. <laughs> yeah. And the other one's like, my boyfriend fucked me while I fucked my car and it, the exhaust turned on and it burned my dick yeah. Jim Jarmusch is like I don't think this is gonna fit with the, the fucking Bill Murray vignette <laughs> this, this will be a deleted scene <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they were like can you talk about Tom Waits or something and that brings us to our main topic of the day that's which what the is, people are clamoring for is Jim Jarmusch humor <laughs> which is um, the Fast and Furious by way of John Waters David Cronenberg's Crash <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you need to take a pee break or should we get no, started? I'm good, okay, dude. you're good. Hell yeah, I dog. Wrote, I wrote it. I wrote literally a novel about this movie. I have ten notes. Cool. All right, you ready to get it started? Yeah, man. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Me? Yeah. Why? Why would you own this movie? What the? F no, seriously. Why would you buy this movie? And put it in your collection. Be excited to watch it. Because when they announced it, I was like, oh, that's going to be fucking crazy to have on Criterion. Surely there's going to be a bunch of bonus features where I can that are going to be crazy. And we're going to watch it for the podcast. And if I'm going to watch it for the podcast, I'd love to watch it on a Criterion Blu-ray. And in my head, it was... In my head, <laughs> I have a little bit different of a memory of what the vibe yeah, of the Yeah, did you, Dan? Yeah. What was, let's start. This is uh, this isn't going to be a movie review so much as I'm going to be your therapist for I, the next I knew minutes. that this movie was smutty. Right. And I knew what the plot was of the movie, but it had been so long since I saw it and had 
since more contextualized David Cronenberg as like an autist mm -hmm. that I was like, these things all combined will make for a perfect podcast episode. But in my well, head, here we are, in, Dan. In my head, here we are. In my head, it was the same as what it was, but also in my head, it was a way better movie. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Dan. Okay. When I took this project on, <laughs> which is your when you say when you assigned me this homework, <laughs> I believe you said on the podcast in the past, I was very excited. I yeah, was like, yeah. "Oh, the master's at work." Yeah. Little did I know. This would be another backdoor Dan Enden universe fucking movie. <laughs> what? Where I'm just watching it like, why would not only... Because the, the movies I pick are like, why would somebody make this movie? The movies you pick are like, why would somebody make this movie? And then why would anyone rewatch it? I could not... Like all the things you've ever said to me in this podcast. Oh, why would you buy? Oh, Godzilla, blah, blah. Why do you like this crap? Dan, this movie is fucking terrible. Horrible movie. Like, like every aspect of it is so bad. The music is terrible. Oh, no, the music is awesome. It's just one guitar. The <laughs> my, whole movie my, playing blues notes. My first note says... Intro score sounds like <laughs> dot dot dot. The music I listen to for fun. Exactly. <laughs> this movie was classic. You, and it's like you don't even realize what you're doing anymore when you pick stuff like this. This is this is season five B, because like this is fucking dark. Nobody should, and I don't care what Dan says. Nobody should watch this movie. It was fucking cursed. What the fuck is wrong with you? That you wanted and were excited and, because and you're like, oh, I bought it! I'm listening, I'm constantly listening to you talk about how much you love David Cronenberg. This is and I'm insane, like, I'm like, how though. could you not have this in your palate this while you say cursed. that cursed. You know I hate cars. <laughs> like, you know I hate, like, Dude, shit like once, that. Once you told me that, like, you didn't remember anything about Crash and that you hadn't seen it. Because initially, initially, my idea was David Cronenberg's Crash versus... I would have killed you if we did that. Now, after all these years who of made, you saying, who made oh, we're going to do Crash versus Crash... Both of those movies are toxic. <laughs> imagine. I don't even know which one's worse. Imagine comparing that movie to this movie. <laughs> that, no, I would have killed myself. And I, I just introduced to you the concept of doing Fast and Furious 7 and a movie about child rape as, as a singular episode. And what you described is worse. <laughs> so once you once it became clear that you didn't remember shit about Crash, I was like. The idea of Dan sitting there watching this movie going in blind is very entertaining to me. And then once you said you were going to watch it with Rachel, I was like, all right. You should have stopped that. <laughs> if I were you, and not like in a metaphorical sense, like like if I were you, literally, I would have been like, don't. Do not. Not if I were you. If this were me and I was telling you to watch Crash, I'd be like, do not show this to your significant other. Okay, well, when you told me that, I hadn't watched it yet. Dan. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and this is something you've said to me so many times okay. I have in my notes god Dan what is this <laughs> that's something I never say that is something I never ever say this movie was so bad <laughs> like this is the kind of movie that people walk out of 
and are and I would be maybe one of them. Well, do you know? Do you have any trivia? Did you do any research or deep diving? I did not want to know a single more thing about this movie. It was like the feeling I felt when I watched this was like when I first watched Mulholland Drive. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was sure. just like, dude, no, like, and I've told you before, Rachel can't do movies that don't make sense. <laughs> and and trying to make sense of this movie yeah. to her as we were watching it was a lofty task. Yeah. And I'm sitting oh, there. Yeah. Oh, and you and you made a total ass of me. <laughs> I I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm like, babe, we watched music for the podcast. That fucking was not cool. Now, <laughs> now this one, you know, who David Cronenberg is. I'm throwing out the facts. I'm like, great movies. One of the best directors of all time. <laughs> one of the living geniuses of, of our time, cinema wise. Let's go. Press play. And it was like, I, like God bless her heart. As soon as that intro guitar riff happened, you should have been like aboard. Now we were on, I tried to do a secret moratorium for this one because I assumed that Dan thought that I enjoyed this movie. Well, even though I told him that Rachel didn't, I wanted to try to keep under lids that, I mean, I, I viscerally hate this movie. Like, <laughs> this movie, I don't care who made it. Like, all right, let, let's, let's lay it out there. Okay. So like Cronenberg, his ideas are always... And totally insane and and just like if you watch something like Videodrome it's like there's it doesn't make sense fully yeah. it's like a psychosexual connection to technology that isn't very overt or clear but it's yeah. weird enough that you're like I get it everything's it, big like naked lunch vibes with him this movie was about a group of people who are sexually aroused by crashing cars yeah. that's the basic Let's the elevator yeah. pitch for this movie yeah, yeah. is is, that, is, sure. is you're watching a scene after scene pornography of people who are sexually aroused by violence and car crashes specifically. Yeah. Their depravity is never talked about on its face. No one ever says like, oh, we're yeah, we're objectophiliacs. There's no like it's very very fact of the matter. Yeah. Everyone's just like, Everything's yeah, very clinical. This turns me on. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to really talk about it. We're going to gather around each other and, and group masturbate while we, while we watch it, while we enjoy it. It was a hour and a half of people rubbing each other's crotches. <laughs> There's not a scene in the movie where someone's crotch doesn't get rubbed. I mean, it was a <laughs> literal, the, it was maybe the horniest movie yeah. I've ever seen. My, my first note it is a shockingly high percentage of scenes that are, in fact, sex scenes. And there was some real shit going on. There was oh, yeah. hands, like, in vaginas. Yeah. There was, like, dicks being hard-stroked. Yeah, there was tons of pubic hair. It's not a movie that ever could have been made now without, like, oh, no. a legion of inti intimacy coordinators. Yeah. This is, uh, before we get more into the plot, I just <laughs> want to give you a little, a little bit of history of Crash. Um, I can't imagine what this is going to be. So, no, so Crash uh, debuted at... At Cannes, and where the French, of course, loved it. No, no, where it was much like you were saying. Uh, people walked out. Um, there was a lot of booing. Yeah, um, and notoriously, I would have booed this movie at Cannes. No, <laughs> notoriously, Francis Ford Coppola was heading the jury that year, uh -huh. and he's like on record as being like the biggest public despiser of this movie ever. And he was apparently so viscerally angry and offended about this movie that the rest of the jury at Cannes was like, fuck this American, like, fucking decrying art that he doesn't understand. So they brought out the grand jury prize, which at that point hadn't been given out in years and years and years because F Francis Ford Coppola refused to 
like allow it to win any awards so they busted out they overruled him by busting out the grand jury prize just to give it like an award for like daring filmmaking uh, so then the whole thing at Cannes became a bunch of fucking press conferences of Cronenberg <laughs> on stage of them being like, how do you, th- how does it make you feel that Francis Ford Coppola hates your fucking movie? And he's just like, I don't care. Do you see how much fucking dicks I got to shoot? <laughs> Dude, this was bad. This was a horny movie. Oh, yeah. What do you think it's like being David Cronenberg, like, on a date? I mean... Like, like uh... trying to pretend like you're a normal person? Like, imagine being, like, on a Tinder date with David Cronenberg, seeing this movie, <laughs> and then trying to see... Like, how do you exist in normal life and also be someone who made this movie? I mean, this... Dude, this movie was, rep- like, reprehensible. This movie was... <laughs> do you feel good that you own it now? Do I feel good that I own it? Like, do you have any buyer's remorse? Uh, no. I have plenty of movies that I mean, are like I this. Never wanna, I, have, I never want to be in the same universe as this movie. I, I own again. the Criterion Videodrome being like, oh, That's when just, I was a kid, I thought this was insane, and I rewatched it, and I was like, I'm never going to watch this again, but yeah, yeah it's fine. Videodrome like, maybe 30 years from now. has not aged particularly well. No, Videodrome has aged very poorly. But, some, the, and, and it is worth noting, at least comparing it to that, because... Both are just such wild the, concepts that don't merit real explanation. This movie is as sleazy as that movie, but it also falls apart by being such a reprehensible plot. This and movie, it being so cold and clinical about all of it. This movie has no less than 15 scene transitions. That transition from a character having sex to a different character having sex. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've never mo- seen it done. I've never even seen that done more than like twice in a movie yeah this movie had oh yeah 15 Easily. the cold open of this movie sex the transitions cold, the cold open of this movie is a woman just rubbing her nipples on a fucking plane <laughs> dude how anyone participated in this this respectable on, actors i will i will give you this in terms of the dan Enden verse of which this is firmly in place for me <laughs> that it is more capitalized on its premise than um Whatchamacallit? Uh, spanking the Monkey. Spanking the Monkey. Yeah. This I is, mean, you were. This th- is where I thought Spanking the Monkey was going to go. That And that was my initial being like, no, we're watching Crash this season because you were uh-uh. going on about how that movie didn't go there. I was like, all right. Let it be known that this podcast has homework that goes both ways. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching this movie. I like told, I turned to my wife. I was like, Dan owns this movie. <laughs> Rachel had some pretty good commentary um, in this movie, actually, okay. which, which I enjoyed. She had some quotes, I feel like, that I took down um, at one point. Um, um, oh, I wrote in my notes so sadly early on. I wrote, I'm so excited. 1996 feels ominous, though. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I didn't, I thought this movie was from 1988, 89. That would have been my guess. And when it started and on my title thing, it said 1996. I was like, oh, no. And then it cut to like a CGI opening um, credit scene that was so bad. Like, this is before you've seen a single image in the movie. Like, Windows 95 CGI. And this awful soundtrack starts, which oh, is killer. so droning throughout the whole movie. It's killer. It's just a it's, guy it's playing just a guitar with a lot of 80s guitar. chorus effect on it. It's, it's like so <laughs> bad. It is just the same like eight notes over and over and it's over awesome. again. It's super ominous. Something happens and it's like. Yeah. Big faculty vibes. 
How dare you invoke? <laughs> I mean, this movie did have a scene transition of one man eating ass to another man eating a different ass. And I was like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is getting to be like, I felt like almost I was watching like a romantic comedy version of the human centipede or something. There was <laughs> yeah, there's so tons much of sex. ass eating. Just ass eating, butt eating. There is a scene in this movie where James Spader's fucking his girlfriend and she is erotically describing to him yes. uh, about fucking another man, yes. how tight his anus would be, and and just he's not responding to any I, of it, I but she goes on and on yeah. and fucking on. It's like a director literally daring his audience to just walk yeah, out. Yeah, I referred to this in my notes as uh, the quote, it must smell of semen scene. She's like, what does semen taste like? Yeah, is a, it salty? Did you know some men's yeah. semen are saltier yeah, than others? Yeah, while the, she's like giving him a hand job. So Do you picture his anus? So Do got, you sodomize his anus? Yeah. Would you kiss his penis or just suck it up front? Literally. So my no that's, that that's direct dialogue <laughs> yeah. from the movie. Um, As so, he's fucking her from behind graphically on top of it. Yes. She goes on for, I would say, two minutes. Yeah. Full sex talk, dirty talk. Yep. I, uh, My I, wife watched this, Dan. <laughs> you fucking... <laughs> what What are you going to do next? Be like, yeah, you should watch Salo with her. Salo, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's Italian and it's rape. Um, <sighs> Season 5B, not for the spouses. No. this uh, That scene I described as, oh, good. Another whole semen salt content lecture mid-coitus where David Cronenberg has to go home and tell his wife, look, I feel like the audience just won't buy these actors' headspace. I'm here trying to serve the story and definitely not filming these scenes in person for my own nefarious purposes. Like, this felt like a movie that should have been not released and kept at, at David Cronenberg's house. <laughs> yeah. And he could call you and be like, you, you want to come over and watch a movie with me? And you'd go over and he'd be like, do, do you like what you yeah. see? This movie is like, uh, like Showtime Red Shoe Diaries uh, softcore, and it just truly does not need to be. <laughs> Like, there is, like... I mean, what do you think there is in this movie in terms of sex scenes, pervert scenes, percentage to the amount of actual scenes in the movie? I, I would, I would say, say it's, like, 80-20. 80% sex scenes, 20% yeah. non. Yeah. I was going to say 90. Okay. Because I'm thinking back on the movie, and even in scenes where not much is happening, the characters are constantly rubbing each other's crotches. Yes. Which, to me, as a child, that would have been, like, a sex scene. Yeah. I mean, there's handies... There's dry handies. There's a hospital handy with soap water yeah. out of a bedpan. There's a scene uh, where it seems like it's going to be a regular scene, but it's just them in uh, a car dealership. <laughs> the car dealership scene is and, so And weird. it's literally, it's like a porno, like the way that... She gets the, horny. The, the woman he is gets like horny. in the a salesman car, gets and then horny. The, the salesman is there, and she's like, it'd be a real trouble if someone like oh, pulled God. my gear shift. The salesman's like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, it was Dude, this movie... <laughs> sucked uh, my wife said at one point she goes was this made for people because porn didn't exist yet it's an interesting point I mean porn for sure existed but 96 though this would have been a hot tape to have I'll oh, tell yeah. you that much if oh, I had yeah. this on tape I would have been like I don't understand a fucking thing that happened in this movie but I will jerk off to it every day I mean the there's first there's titties everywhere Holly Hunter titties everywhere immediately his girlfriend titties bush everywhere like 90s playboy bush I'm gonna bush. need you to do uh, some Holly Hunter impressions <laughs> I've never tried a Holly Hunter that's not true you did it in the first episode of the podcast and destroyed it <laughs> 
I, she, I regularly one. think of it as my favorite impression you've done. Oh, on the well, that, what a huge amount of pressure, <laughs> dude! You did it. I don't even remember ever having done. Totally accidentally, you were like, "Oh, that actress is kind of." You were like Naomi Watts is being like, uh, "It's like being she like, like <laughs> In this movie, she was like, "When I have sex with cars, <laughs> I want you to come have sex with me." That's like Sling Blade almost. Yes, yeah, I'm a little too drunk. My, to do fa- my favorite moment in this entire movie is. Um, <laughs> Don't you have sex with me? They, there's, a, there's a scene where they come across. Uh, so there's like a whole B plot. We, we haven't even we haven't even <laughs> fucking yeah. introduced the concept of this movie. Yeah, all we, we talk about, talk the about fucking. The concept of this movie is all of this fucking. All of it takes place around violence. Yeah. Fucking to new fresh car crashes. Yeah. Fucking inside of car crashes. Fucking after crashing into each other. Yeah. yeah. So hold on. Be- pause. Pause. Sorry. So scene one. Is James Spader and his wife, uh, or no, is James Spader's wife getting fucked against an airplane? Scene two is James Spader, I guess he works on movie sets, uh, fucking a Chinese woman in a closet. Eating her ass. Yes. Scene three is then James Spader and his wife coming together to like clinically fuck on the balcony while describing whether each other's trysts came or not. Um, so then scene four is, uh, is where uh, James Spader gets into a car accident, crashes in a head-on collision with Holly Hunter's car. Holly Hunter's husband flies through the windshield into James Spader's car, and he right. looks up to see Holly Hunter just pull her tit out and starts... Alright, now stop. Yes. This is all in the stop. first four minutes. Because this is where <laughs> I thought that I was seeing a good movie. Right? I was still convinced that this okay. is going to be great. Right. I was like, okay... Him and his wife are adventurous sexually. Interesting. Classic Cronenberg weirdness. Yeah. <laughs> his wife's getting banged and are getting her ass ate on a fucking airplane. Sick. Yeah. He's eating ass. Chinese woman. 10 points bonus. In a TV studio. Super cool setting. 10 points bonus. Awesome. Yeah. David Cronenberg. 96. Yeah. We're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Sleazy. Think like. Paul Verhoeven. When Paul Verhoeven got into the sleaze groove. Yeah. Which, you know. We'll find out later in the season during 5B, during Benedetta, which is classic 5B material um, <laughs> about a lesbian nun who fucks Jesus, like in her mind, I think is the plot of that movie. Um, uh, the period of sleaze high. I was like, OK, this is cool. I, even if this is just like just kind of like a romantic, erotic thriller, yeah, yeah. I'm in for it. It's cool. This yeah. is a cool vibe. I'm like digging it. I'm like, this is Cronenberg. It's is cool. It's like yeah. existence. Everybody's cool in it and acting cool. And I was like. <laughs> Okay, then he gets in a car accident. Cool, body horror. We've found a way to do body horror while still making like a normal movie. It seems like maybe, oh, this is Cronenberg reaching out into his history of violence phase. This is the bridge. I'm going to see weird Cronenberg become like elevated drama with super violence Cronenberg, the way you saw like Guillermo del Toro do it with like Shape of Water into the Fantastic Nightmare Alley while Shape of Water is really terrible. And this, I was like, okay, like here's a director like stretching his legs, blah, blah, blah. After what you just described, when they go when next it, scene is in the hospital and that's where she gets <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> like what you described is the beginning of an interesting movie where like maybe James Spader then has a sexual relationship with the doctor's wife who uh, showed him his her titty. Maybe they are aroused by each other being in an accident and their yeah. grief and their sex and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I was like, there's an interesting movie that's actually weird enough and has some Cronenberg touches and isn't overly out of control. <laughs> that is not what happens, Dan. What happens after that is like literally uh, Cecil B. Demented 
but instead of being obsessed with film, they're obsessed with car crashes, violence, and and fucking each other. Yeah. It's just a scene of it's the an way- increasing escalation of a kink that's just out of control. The way that you would watch a porno back in the seventies, eighties, where it would be like. Uh, actress one two three male actor one two three okay one fucks one next scene two fucks two next scene three fucks three next scene two fucks three next scene two fucks three while four beats off yeah next scene four beats off while two and three eat each other's ass and then three (laughs) comes on the windowsill like that is how the movie's structured yes and instead every scene of this unending nightmare porno is about (laughs) Car crashes yes. as well. So none of the sex scenes are, are, are t- titillating. Then it turns into They're like some kind of anime where every character has their own car that like represents their penis, which like represents their libido, yeah. which they use to insert into each other, which then turns into instead of sex scenes back to back, there are chase <laughs> and crash scenes back to back that have no context, no starting point. They're trying no to get each point. other off by getting themselves into car accidents. But they don't ever say that. Right. They're not like, yeah. let's play a game yeah. where, we, <laughs> well, where we jerk each other's well, cars well, so off. We're it just starts. Well, so what we're introduced, there's a lot of inferring that needs to happen. But basically where we're at is that James Spader's in the hospital uh, for getting into the car accident featuring Holly Hunter's titty. Mm-hmm. He finds out that Holly Hunter and her titty are both in the hospital mm-hmm. as well. Um, he goes, he sees her walk by, and then the doctor, or what we think is the doctor, comes up and just starts, like, smelling his face <laughs> and smelling his yeah, scars and shit. We think it's the doctor. And then... But it's... Oh it's not. God. It turns out it's a, a former doctor who's, like, the, like, cult leader of, like, the car crash scene, fucking scene. Um, and he's a dude who has, like, started methodically collecting replicas of cars from famous celebrity deaths and trying to start reenactments. Dude. Now, what you're talking about is probably the fifth scene of the movie, right? Yeah. This yeah. is when, so James Spader, he gets injured. He's in the hospital. James Spader buys this whole situation so quickly. He, he like, meets Holly Hunter, and then she's immediately like, come check out this uh, death cult with me. And he's like, all right, cool. I, I'm on Liter- board. Literally, he's like, I don't even know if the conversation takes place. He just She's like, it's ran there. by that dude who was smelling you in the hospital. And he's like, all right, yeah, I'll check it out. Can I ask you something just out of confusion? Yeah, yeah. When Holly Hunter, famous actress Holly Hunter, <laughs> meets James Spader for the first time. Yes. Through the car crash where her husband dies. Yes. Before that crash, the titular crash. Yes. Does she, she's already doing this shit. Yeah, yeah, she's She and her husband into were both into it. The, so it was on purpose. Well, James, the, the car, my no, the car accident was James Spader's Here's, fault. Yeah. Him crashing into someone right. who was turned on by it was total happenstance. That is insane. <laughs> yeah. Because the movie presents a world in which these people get into car crashes on purpose. Yeah. Well, and James Spader crashes into that. Well, well, James Spader goes into oncoming traffic and a series of cars move out of the way. Their car doesn't. So it's kind of inferred that they were into this shit. So they just let the car accident happen. People jerking off inside car wrecks. <laughs> people rubbing each other's crotches in a car wash. People rubbing each other's crotches in car wrecks after accidents, fingerings. Yeah. It, this was disgusting. My, my favorite moment in this movie is they're all driving around talking about how hot car wrecks would be. And they come across a car wreck <laughs> where they discover that one of the dudes from their death cult um, went ahead to do like a trial run of recreating some famous celebrity death. And they come across and like the doctor is all like super aroused by it immediately. And he's right. like taking photos and he's like, check this out. Oh, and then he, he cuts and he goes, he goes, the dog, 
the dog is fucking brilliant, and it cuts to just a dead dog, just completely mangled, chilling in the middle of the highway, and the guy's like jerking off to the fucking dead dog. It's so fuck. This this movie is that if like if Quentin Tarantino had the balls to make a movie just about feet, if he oh, was yeah. just like, all oh, right, yeah. I'm just gonna do it, and it's not gonna have a plot, and it's not gonna mean anything, it's just gonna be filth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like a real uh, emphasis on the one for us when it comes to one for me, one for them. Like, who was David Cronenberg mad at when he <laughs> took the money to make this movie? Um, this was crazy. Well, as he explained it in the supplemental material, he was a big fan of the book, of the novel. And um, the novel had been optioned by studios for years. It was a book from the 60s and for years had been like optioned by studios and then them being like, that's insane. We can't make this. And then it got to him and he was like, I don't know if I can make this if like my career can take the hit. <laughs> and then he was literally talking about how like he had like, I forget what, uh, it might, I don't remember what movie he was like, I, he had a big smash and like the studio came to him and was like, what do you want to do next? Um, and he said crash and he wasn't even like expecting that, but he's like, I think my career can do it now. And then after they made it, Ted Turner bought in like a sweep, bought like a bunch of indie studios after they had financed this movie. So Ted Turner was, sim was simultaneously owning, I think, Disney and this movie at the same time while trying to keep it from being released. All of this shit, these past two episodes make me feel like Moonfall was like a thousand years ago. Like, remember when I was happy? <laughs> I, I was uh, so hopeful for the season. It got so dark. Yeah. This like, movie this is movie, extra funny when you look at it through the you lens realize, of like... You realize that I needed to watch this movie to cleanse my palate from music. <laughs> you watched it in a different order, and you like this movie, apparently. And uh, just like, for me, it was just like, oh, I need some... I need the master to take me home. <laughs> and instead, it was like, want to read like a book out of the master's like masturbation manual that he cobbled together and wrote out of blood, printed on human skin? It was so bad. It was like, like, I get it. And it's not even like I know someone, whether it's Andre or Fisher <laughs> or one of you fucking nerds is going to listen to me. Hey, you like Marvel, and you, but, you, but, but you don't like art. This just was brutal to me. Like, I, I do like art. I'm sorry. Didn't you hear the first 20 minutes of the episode where I was like, I'm David Cronenberg. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I do, but I don't like being fucking abused. Well, it begs the question of like, I was just thinking, I was like, what, what this is making me feel like, is there really, say what you want about the movie, but is there like transgressive cinema anymore in general? <laughs> like, is this as far as it can be yes, taken? Yes, no, it's <laughs> not. Because let me tell you the tale of Titane, which is one of yeah. the biggest hits from Cannes last year. That one, the year. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh huh, Dan. Uh huh, uh huh. We should have done that one on this fucking stupid podcast that we do because that one makes music and this look like the fucking Palm Door because <laughs> that movie, I dare you to fucking watch that movie. Honestly, I could see myself doing it for the pod and watching it again and seeing if I understand it any more than I did this time. It is the worst movie you could ever imagine. And, <laughs> and having seen this movie so similar to this movie. Really? This, I actually can't believe that when Titane came out, hope I'm pronouncing that right, that more people weren't like, oh, well, what, you guys are doing Crash again? Like, Titane is a woman who works at a strip club 
who's a huge whore and is just like insanely crazy, whatever, does car shows where she humps a car and everyone pays money to watch it. Okay. Um, everyone leaves for the night. She comes out of the shower, horny as fuck, fucks her car. Right. Straddles it. Yeah, yeah. Gets pregnant from the car. Movie kicks off. Now that's 20 minutes. Is this minutes, a spiritual successor to this movie? <laughs> 20 minutes into the movie. Then you find out that she's a serial killer. Okay. Didn't know that. Yeah. For 20 minutes. I'm for sure going to watch this movie. Then she goes around serial killing people with a car baby inside of her and doing like hate crimes. Then she shaves all of her hair and impersonates a missing boy. Okay. <laughs> to join a family of Whoa, homophobic spoilers. firefighters. Okay. Well, that seems perfect for you. You hate firefighters. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> Delete. Dad fucking hates firefighters. I do. <laughs> Smug. The Smug group of people. The craziest hill to die on. <laughs> says you. You know how many hills you've died on? You're like fucking George Washington's ghost died on so many hills. Wow. Nice history. In Gettysburg. <laughs> totally different century. <laughs> Thinking of mostly Gettysburg. Totally different. Different war, right? Yeah. Anyway. Literally a um, hundred years later. It's a podcast through line mixing up wars. This isn't the first time we've gone down this road. Dude, this is for sure going to be the first episode that Andre actually listens to. Titane is terrible. Art is sometimes bad. Sorry. Sometimes what means a lot to a fucking crazed <laughs> sex pervert is not worthy for the rest of humanity to digest. Have you considered looking at this movie through the lens of James Bader being the same character that he played on The Office? His name is James in this movie, man. <laughs> They didn't even try to change him at all. I wouldn't be surprised if they just filmed him as he went through Dude, these Dude, you should have seen the damn con press conference I was watching where, like, they are asking, like, was anyone... With the, one of the press people goes, uh, was anyone in this movie, like, uncomfortable or upset during the filming? Like, did anyone stand up to be like, what's happening here? And it's just dead silence, and James Spader, he's like, well, I guess I'll take this one. And he goes on this elaborate, well-crafted speech about the nature of art and transgressive cinema and how the Cronenberg is a master at utilizing something that should be titillating to be cold and clinical and reflect the depravity of these people. And uh, <laughs> the press person just like, yeah, but what about the women? Were you guys uncomfortable? <laughs> <laughs> like, like James Spader, of course you love this. Yeah, you, spent, you probably helped devise yeah, this. Yeah, he's 60% of the movie with his nose buried into an asshole. I know. <laughs> Incredible. What a strange career Rosetta Arquette has had. In this, this movie... This was her from... The, her previous thing before this would have had to have been uh, Pulp Fiction. Rosanna Arquette's <laughs> role in this movie is so... Debased. <laughs> oh, yeah. And fucking Can you sick. believe... Can you believe this movie, that James Spader did not fuck that leg wound? Can you believe that? He did. I thought he was just grinding on it. No, he came on it. I mean, he used it for sex purposes. Yeah, but he would like, it, there's used, a moment where it looks like he was about to penetrate the wound. I thought he was going to penetrate it. <laughs> I, I thought we were going to see a prosthetic dick going through the leg hole. Yeah. That would have given this movie so many more points in my book. Oh, yeah. I feel like this movie, if it wanted to do what it did, 
just go even further. Oh, yeah. Because, like, it, this movie felt like the movie that they were shooting in Cecil B. Demented. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> like, this movie was, and, like, I don't, I know it, it doesn't make me look good to trash, like, a David Cronenberg movie, but... And maybe I didn't understand it. I don't know. I'm sure someone artsy out there that loves this movie is like, he didn't fucking understand it. He likes Doctor Strange. I'm quite sure a lot of people are like this. This movie is, it's divisive, but it has a ravenous fan base. I would have rather done anything than watch this movie. <laughs> done anything. Also, wait, well, along the lines of what you were just saying about how it not actually going there, one of the things I found most offensive about this movie is that after all of these insanely graphic sex scenes for a regular R-rated picture. It's there's it's like built up to so long like it keeps being like, yo, James Spader, do you want to fuck that doctor? And like he just keeps being like, I'm not gay. And you're like, alright, for sure at some point James Spader's gonna eat the doctor's ass. And then if I know he's not a doctor. Yeah, but I'm just calling him the doctor because he was wearing a doctor's coat. Yeah, I mean, at no point was was that man a doctor. (laughs) It's the most perverted character. No, they said when they did his exposition, he started as a doctor. He she was like, when I met him, he was a chief of medicine. I right. don't know what he's At become now. At this point, <laughs> he goes around and fucks car accidents, Dan. Yeah, yeah. He has no job. He's But psychotic. he still has a medical degree. He runs <laughs> underground shows where people recreate famous car crashes yeah. that were fatal and to he, watch for fun. And then he gets tattoos and get, of cars on his scars from the car accident. Andre, if you are listening to this and you like this movie, like, like, fuck off. Like, seriously. Wait, wait, hold on. This is not. I get it. And the thing that you don't get is I get it. I just hate it. Like, it doesn't mean to have a thread of what was so offensive about that plot line is that. Right. We finally are at this situation where James Spader and the former doctor are clearly going to fuck. Like, yeah, and dude. it happens. And then what do they do? It's so what does he do? He cuts away after this whole movie full of all these graphic. Oh, there should have been butt fucking. Absolutely. He cuts away because he his delicate goddamn sensibilities in the audience. He wants to baby the audience through the gay he sex ain't scene. Gay. Yeah. Can after I? all this, you were literally watching James Spader stick his nose into an asshole. Fuck Rosanna Arquette's goddamn leg wound. But it, there's like a little bit of sodomy. And he's like, nope, we should be we should imply it. I wanted to see oh, dick in ass, Dan. God damn you. The 90s were insane, Dan. <laughs> Ain't objectophilia crazy? This movie was made by a major motion picture director. The fact that this happened is astounding. Um, which, like, like Spanking the money, Monkey, that's the most that I can say about this movie. is It's just amazing it's real. Yeah, I mean, it's like Videodrome in that there are, like, arguably heady ideas here. Uh, and taboos to explore and transgressions to exploit to make the audience feel something. But the balance between like the central conceit and the sleaze factor is so non-existent. <laughs> I mean, this, I would say, is even worse than that. Because like... Than Videodrome? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, easily. This is, this is like this Videodrome is a porn times a thousand. Yeah. And like recently I showed Dylan... But not in a good way. I showed Dylan and his girlfriend Videodrome. Or no, I showed just Dylan. And he'd never seen it before. And he was pumped. And afterwards he was like... What's that guy's problem? <laughs> and I was like, you should watch Crash next. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's the master. This was upsetting. What did Rachel give this movie? She hated. <laughs> I mean, like, 
brutally hated this movie. She was like, yeah, cool, art. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, this is... And, you know, for a little bit, I'm trying to defend it. And then I really saw... It took a while for the movie to show its cards. Oh, yeah. Because like, it was really... It did, like, nine sex scenes in a row. And you, I was there like, was a okay. moment where you texted me, and you were so, it was along the lines of, like, is what's happening here? And you gave, like, a rough synopsis. And I was like, I can't answer this, because you have no idea how like, far are, this is Are people, like, getting off on fucking cars? What is going on? Dude, just the moment where Holly Hunter pulled her titty out from Jump Street, I was like, this is so fucking savage. Well, like, that wasn't even that bad, dude. I know. That was nothing. That was nothing. That I was like, that could have been accidental. <laughs> or, like, in certain erotic thrillers, things like that happen, and that, like, kicks off the wonder in the other character's mind as to, like, whether there's something erotic about the entire circumstance. Like, right. I'm right, sure right. there's a movie about, like, Ben Affleck and Sandra Bullock where, like, like a plane crashes or something i'm just making this up yeah yeah. and they're like oh like we're bonded over yeah, trauma. trauma bonding but this was not no that. i mean because i had his relationship moment. with holly hunter went out the window immediately insane and then everyone just started fingering each other yeah totally. and then it was like mm, at the end yeah, of act these two one, characters haven't fingered each other and then they would do it <laughs> yeah at the end of act one i was like hmm i wonder if this is like I started writing this whole note that I ended up deleting because it revealed itself to be not correct in what I was anticipating. I was like, is this Cronenberg trying to make, like, a statement of his filmmaking prowess of being like, look, I can even make this hot. Like, I want the audience to feel aroused. I And then I was just like, <laughs> like cut to an hour later, I was like, no, this is way too cold and clinical and horrible. I felt aroused. <clears throat> it's good. I did. What about Rachel? I think probably too. It was a rousing experience, but it was bad. It was as bad as it gets. Just like Rachel said, was this porn before porn existed? Like, yeah, I mean, kind of. Yeah, I mean, you know, to someone, I'm sure in 1996, this movie was a gold mine. Question: Like, this movie was <laughs> downloaded on Kazaa yeah. Light more than it was rented at the video store. Um, this movie stunk. This was the worst <laughs> David Cronenberg movie by a fucking landslide. My, um, I'm sure there's someone absolutely psychotic, either listening to this or in the rental zone, who would defend this movie to the absolute depths of their soul. And to that person, I would say your soul is black and weird, <laughs> fucking bizarre, psychotic. You have, like, deep-seated mental issues probably with your parents involved at some level. Um, You may have been molested. I don't know. I don't know what your situation is, but I just feel like this is one of those movies that, like, if you go out of your way to say you're, like, a proponent of it, you're just a sick person. How do you think David Cronenberg, uh, like, what his interaction was (laughs) with his parents the first time after this movie came out? I assume that David Cronenberg is, like, a sweet Jewish boy in reality. I, I actually think he's probably not that weird in reality. He's not like certain people in this in this sphere, like Tim Burton and H.R. Giger, where you're just like, they live in a castle of blood, or yeah, <laughs> like right, Marilyn Manson. Right. Yeah. Like, I assume if you went to David Cronenberg's house, it would be like cool paintings yeah, everywhere. Yeah, totally. I mean, and, and super modern and chic. He's my, not, he's like if Christopher Nolan ate mushrooms and had a nightmare. <laughs> it's all clinical, cold, incredibly like well-staged, but like sometimes super duper misguided shit. And, yeah. and this was like, I would say all of the worst parts of David Cronenberg, like if somebody was making fun of David totally. Cronenberg and created a fake David Cronenberg totally. movie, it would be crash. Well, so one of the most engaging experiences with this was watching, uh, I was texting you about 
Um, I watched like a sit down at a university um, that that they had at a. Uh, this movie should not be allowed anywhere near a school zone. This was in like, <laughs> it was it was for like the film department of some major university, um, and the the guy introduces it, and he's like, you know the, the there was a lot of uh, the approach they were taking was big skewering the media, of like the media hopped on hearing that some people walked out of can and like this living legend has been unfairly maligned. <laughs> like, like this movie is so smart. So as like a leading liberal institution, we're here to like set the record straight. So we have David Cronenberg, give, give him an audience as well as the author of the book on which crash was based. Who at this point, true is, sex pervert is like, he's like 80 dude. And he's like, <laughs> he's, what? dude, the guy is 80 and bald with like, he looks like a fucking super villain. He, like, he looks like the penguin. He's truly terrifying looking. And he's sitting... <laughs> of course he is. He's sitting, of course he is. Yeah. Imagine the person yeah. who would write something like this. And he's sitting across from David Cronenberg. And Cronenberg's whole vibe is being very su- like serious and artsy. And like I was like, all right, Cronenberg's about are, to... Are people going to be mad at us for not talking about Naked Lunch up front? We, I mean, I mentioned it. I we really can... like it. Is that it? We can we move past it? We can move past it. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm a, Andre. No, but... I'm about. To, I was about to bring it up in right, what go I was ahead, saying. Go ahead, go ahead. In that, so he's talking. Oh, sorry, sh- he was sorry. talking about. That was what I was trying to remember earlier. What was the most recent thing he had made? The most recent thing he had made was Naked Lunch, and he had been get, getting. He had gotten this reputation of being able to film what heretofore had been the unfilmable novel classics. And he was like, "All right, I pulled off Naked Lunch. I can definitely pull off Crash. <laughs> I can do even worse now." Yeah, and he's like. <laughs> He's being very serious, and I was like, all right, I think I'm probably going to get sold on this movie from David Cronenberg, because this was an hour and a half long discussion that I watched, by the way. What, and before the movie? No, after. Okay. Right. And I was like, because I had left the movie being like, wow, that was terrible. And I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, David Cronenberg's probably about to tell me what I'm missing. And he's going the, on. Dan, the lashing you would have received in this episode, <laughs> if you came in being like, this is the best David Cronenberg movie, I would have literally I thought, I thought about, shut the fucking yeah, studio I thought about down. taking that approach. So, that so, would have been misguided. So, so I'm, watch, <laughs> I'm watching Cronenberg be very serious and like talk about his craft and talk about like what his goals were for the movie. And I'm like, okay, well, if I look at it through that lens, like maybe Cronenberg's not like a sex pervert at all. Like, so then there's a moment where uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cronenberg. No one but a sex pervert would make this movie. Right. So, it's not possible. So, so listen, Cronenberg is interviewing the author of the original book and um, the. Uh, the guy meet, uh, moderating the discussion turns to the author and goes, um, you know, a lot of the press has been going on about how you, you being the author, described the book as a cautionary tale. Can you please elaborate on that? A cautionary tale? Yeah. Let me think about that. Um, he's, like, he's like, can you please elaborate on how literally you meant... So Cronenberg jumps in. He's like, can you elaborate on how literally you meant that the book was meant to be a cautionary tale? And uh, the author goes, well, it has to be a cautionary tale, because if you don't realize the cautionary tale, otherwise it's just pure psychopathy. And Cronenberg's face, he looks at the audience and he goes, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, the- <laughs> I was like, full mask off, you, dude. <laughs> you know what this movie felt like? If And this may resonate with some, some of our listeners, but like... <clears throat> The period of time at which Stephen King got into his car crash 
and started abusing, abusing pain pills yeah. and being fucking insane and wrote Dreamcatcher. That felt like this was Cronenberg's Dreamcatcher. Yeah, this was the it orgy scene for two hours. I would sum this movie up as Cronenberg's Dreamcatcher. <laughs> but sorely lacking Jason Lee. And it just looked like Wait, shit. Wait, you've seen Dreamcatcher, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, oh my God, that would be a good one for the pod. Yeah, that movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that movie sucks a lot. <laughs> Jason Jason Lean <laughs> yeah. in Dreamcatcher. His beard is such his an beard epic, is such a big ask in that <laughs> such an epic role for him. <laughs> huge, huge role for him. Yeah. Um This movie, it just it looks like shit too. Oh, it's it's bad from the top to the bottom. Yeah, it's sm- I didn't like any of it. It's smut. <laughs> his beard smut. And again, maybe I'll I don't know if the I guess the soundtrack does exist. You were saying there's a vinyl. Yeah. I'll get the soundtrack and put it on the background. It would be perfect background music yeah. for this episode. I, it's it, bad. It, it's definitely going to make its way into the rotation of my uh, October holiday creepy scores that I listen to. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. That's creepy. That's also sad. Not your ritual. I enjoy that a lot. That's really cool. I actually like, am inspired by your spookiness. <laughs> I always said... Up until I started dating Rachel, at least, that, like, my favorite holiday was Halloween. I was, like, getting really Halloweened up. Rachel's, like, so-so on the pagan stuff. Yeah. And any religious or uh, ritual stuff, she's she's at a zero. I'm at, like, a 10%. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a discussion. And we have a lot of those discussions. Yeah. We've been talking recently about how... Like we go to other people's houses who have children and we watch what they watch on TV and we're like, we're not going to be able to do that. That's, yeah. That's not, yeah. that's not possible. Right. Um, so that giant DVD case that you see before you, let's say there's uh, 275 movies in front of you. Yeah. And then a closet. I don't know if you've ever wondered what's in that creepy conjuring door over there. It's just DVDs, man. There's like a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a thousand in there that that will raise my future progeny into being a genius. Uh, I'm, I'm never going to get cable. I'm yeah. going to be like, you can't watch any news. Are you going to show him crash? No. <laughs> har, har, hardest pass imaginable. Should we give a score to crash? This has been a real big discussion for me. At one point, I was like 10 out of 10. <laughs> At what point did that stop? <laughs> like immediately. At one point, I was like, you know, you got to give it up to the man for really fucking going there. Yeah. And then I sat through like another full hour of it and was like, absolutely was no. Sh- Dude, they're in this discussion that I was talking about in the bonus features. The, the guy goes, the, the guy goes, what would you say to critics who are saying that this film is literally just weird pornography? <laughs> and the, the author, the old 80-year-old decrepit, disgusting British man, <laughs> is just like, well, Webster's Dictionary defines pornography as... How would you define pornography? <laughs> you can tell he's been rehearsing this answer for 50 years. He's like, it's okay. I was going to say this when the cop showed up. Yeah, and Cronenberg's like, Look, the purpose of pornography is to titillate. If I wanted to titillate, I wouldn't have had an entire scene where they're just saying anus and vagina the entire time. That's not titillating. It's very clinical. 
Not uh, really, bud. Side <laughs> a boner. And I'm like, yeah, but they're also like intensely fingering each other while they say it. No, he was fucking her while she said it. Like, up the butt. Well, eventually, but it starts with them laying on their backs next to each other, just <sighs> reaching across, just fucking... I've never seen more crotch There's rub. so much goddamn digital stimulation. There's so much fondling in this movie. Like, it, like... Uh, and, like, actors, I would say, like, like, genuinely touching nether regions and nipples. Well, there's some cutaways, for sure, throughout the movie, but there was also a lot of not cutaways. Yeah. Um, James Spader really made out like a bandit on this movie. If I were to be the MPAA and rate this movie, it would be rated R for serial fondling. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was... I felt as if I was being molested by the end of the movie <laughs> with the amount of squeezed crotches. Because you have to understand, dear listener, every time there's like a, a car crash in this movie, there's like four or five people beating <laughs> off together over it. They, it's so yeah, fucking... They, the way... Instead, like, their version of pornography is they pass around tapes. They get like... They get tapes for Crash like, dummy yeah, test crash tapes. Dummy tapes. And they all group they all masturbate. And jerk off to it. It was like high school for me. I had flashbacks. I didn't like it. In what way? Well, you know about the party at Trick Dude's oh, house. Yeah. We've, we've <laughs> talked about that. Oh, my God. And, and dear listener, if you want to know more about that, you just don't listen to the podcast enough. Yeah. This isn't like, ooh, most podcasts become uh, 99% inside jokes. This is like, this is for the deep cuts. Yeah. This is for our boys. Yeah. Talking about Trick Dude. Yeah. Trick Dude is in <laughs> Obi-Wan, the new series coming out. Shout like, out to Trick Dude. Sh <laughs> like, should I hit Trick Dude up? Yeah, of course. And the dude has been in every blockbuster. How do you not? How have you not hit him up? I don't know. I have an uncle that's like the most famous person in Hollywood <laughs> that I can't hit up. So we know that's a problem. Yeah. I have you're, all these great resources. You're, you're that perpetually I can't one degree away from success. <laughs> dude, that's such a good observation. I should rename my book to perpetually one degree away from success. <laughs> that is the truth. Dan Ennen's got me pegged. Welcome to this week's Dan on Dan Crime. It's okay. I'm securing it. I got more famous than Dan did, at least in the music scene, but he's got more time to do it because I quit. Because <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> no, because I just don't want to go through what he goes through. He tells me all the time. I'm like, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> Playing music sucks. Anyway, yeah, uh, Dan, ain't bad. what are you thinking about Crash in terms of a GGR? Do you need any? As you can see, we're now on the season 5B top right board. Yeah, I don't I don't know how to rate this movie. Like, do you rate this can you, like can a you regular look up, movie? Like, let's look up some of our, our auteur mega hits okay. on, on the sheet in front of you. Okay. Like, what did we give? Like, do we ever Disclosure? do something like this? <laughs> Disclosure. Was... Disclosure was so much better than this. Oh, yeah. Um, like this? I don't know, man. What is like this, honestly? I mean, it's kind of in a league of its own yeah. in terms of terrible. What do you compare this to besides actual C porn? Cinemax <laughs> like programming. Snuff films? Yeah, Cinemax <laughs> programming from the late 90s. Dude. This... Early 2000s. It's just like this just is bad, man. I know, but so I always like, who, I always going to tell me I was wrong for this. I always give a lot of credit credit to people who make things like this because it's like so much money and work goes into making a major motion picture and then to this get real actors for it like, this was such a waste of everything it's so it's, this could have been a 20 minute short that i would have liked so much balls to make this movie i know it's like should i reward cronenberg for that i think i've given him his just desserts and i can do whatever i want on yeah. this score i uh i'm gonna look ma'am if you didn't know that david cronenberg made this movie 
let's play that game. Oh. You hadn't seen any supplemental materials oh. and you watch this movie. How would you feel about it? Rachel's never seen David Cronenberg. Right. She doesn't know if, the name. If you told me that if you told me that this movie was Ari Aster's first film after he made that short film, I'd be like, this guy needs to be put in prison. Right. <laughs> So that's how we have to do this podcast. Right. Like, I want to give points to the man yeah, for exactly. doing something that in no my one head, would ever I'm like, do. I'm like, it's Cronenberg going there. That's worth a four at least. But if I think of it in terms of, like, what if I just, like, went to go see a film festival? My wife, dude. <laughs> my fucking wife. My wife. Who likes, like, just things that are entertaining and make yeah. her happy. <laughs> she likes music. She likes the prequels. Yeah. She likes Anakin. Yeah. This isn't Anakin. <laughs> no. This is not Anakin, Dan. Like, this is that time when you made my wife watch something so fucked up. And I think I did not I feel, make no, you no, do, I watch feel, it with her. That was psychotic feel, to watch that with her. I feel as if I owe you one for that. And that's that. Dude, you just have to strategically choose which movies you watch with her. I would have been like, no, Dan, do not watch this with your wife. Who likes Captain Marvel and stuff? I mean, who likes the Star Warsing? <laughs> what I thought would happen would be like, was what? It was like five minutes into the movie, Rachel would be like, "I'm not watching this." And leave. She couldn't. I told you up front, Dan, that I ran. I don't have time anymore, <laughs> and that I was going to make her have to see these movies. I told you that weeks ago. You should have had red flags when I literally said, wait, you're going to watch this with Rachel? No, you sh you needed to step in like a, like um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in that movie last week, putting that girl in the hold. I've <laughs> been trying to make Dan spin his drink out so many times today. feel like this is the closest I've gotten, but <laughs> not yet. He's in shambles. Ending in shambles. That's the mark of a good episode. That's Ron. racist. That was racist. <laughs> and the funny thing is, are you going to no, have Rachel watch Benedetta? Funny thing again is like, I, I get away with it because you would have had to have listened to the last episode <laughs> to understand this follow up joke. Yeah. Um, and we know no one did that. So <laughs> um, am I going to make Rachel watch Benedetta? Absolutely not. <laughs> that looks like such a bummer. I just don't get how you could be like, all right, it's David Cronenberg's crash. And what you said to me, what you remembered was car accidents I, listen, and tons of fucking. <laughs> listen, I could show Rachel the fly. I could show her existence. I could show her. I have shown her um, the fly. I, and I have shown her history of violence. These are movies that make sense to a human being. This movie was written by a, like a bot, like a sex pervert bot. And it was like, what if smash car, sex, rub, Every time, violence, car, <laughs> rub, sex. It's like someone put like <laughs> sex, porn, handjob, anus, and car crash into a bot and it wrote yeah. a movie. Well, you have to imagine there was a point in the pre-production of this movie where someone was like, well, do you think maybe this is too much fucking? There's not and a Cronenberg was like, more! There's not an arc. How did you not use that example? <laughs> there's, not, there's not an arc. In this movie. No, there's, there's nothing to be found. There's no character. No, we growth. didn't even talk about the ending. 
<laughs> There's the ending being him fucking her in a car accident. It's just like... That they get into a car accident. He fucking drives his wife off the road. Yeah, but there's several scenes and, of them doing and that. And also, can we talk about how like cars were not that safe in the 90s such that these people could be getting in car accidents on a daily basis and just crawling out and fucking next to them? Well, you, you forget that they love it. Yeah, right. That's like what doesn't make sense about the movie as a concept as well, like beyond it being weird and perverted, is just like there's so many scenes of like Oh, I just got gruesomely mangled. Let's fuck. Where yeah. it's just like you just couldn't. How about the scene do where the that? one guy gets in a car accident and then they're really confused that he's like ill after and he has a concussion and they're like, "Dude, what are you doing throwing up and fucking harshing our vibe? Like we were trying to fuck." And he, <laughs> so they carry him back odd. and they're all like, they're all like, "What's wrong with him? What's wrong with him?" And the one's like, "Well, he must have gotten a concussion when we drove him off the highway." I hated this. <laughs> I hated this movie, Dan. This movie didn't make you feel good about humanity? No, I hated this movie. <laughs> what did you give? What score do you give it? <laughs> Consider its implications this podcast, for society. <laughs> like, this podcast got fucking dark lately. Um, do you think this is better than Cuties? No. No. Okay. No, this movie is a hard pass for me, my guy. <laughs> And, and again, I've put my credentials out a hundred times. Like this shit is like right up my alley. But like at the same time, like I, it's, it's just so depraved, <laughs> which like I am very depraved. Like I'm on like five medications depraved. Dude, the purpose was Dan's never seen trying to shock a person. <laughs> That was next week. With the master. That was next week with I turned, Fast and I Furious turned your 7. hero against you. <laughs> you definitely did. I mean, look, we did yoga hosers oh, on here. Yeah, what if, like, next week I was like, here's, here's Steven Spielberg presents Nazis fucking prisoners. I mean, I'd watch it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But we'd be at the world premiere if that ever happened. You and I would be, like, the only two people covering it. Yeah. Like this is uh this is exactly what we've been waiting for. <laughs> like it's like if you found out that Spielberg goes wrote Coyote Ugly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I, I guess we got to do scores. Yeah. What are you gonna give it? You tell me what you're gonna do. Because um, I can't even. Like, <laughs> this movie immobilized me. So you're up first. <laughs> yeah, this movie's tough. <laughs> Would and you I recommend other people watch this movie? Other people, it depends on the person. That's uh, not what I said. You know what I'm saying. Like, I would recommend That's it. like a huge gradient I in would this recommend podcast. that anyone who out loud considers themselves a David Cronenberg fan, I would recommend they watch this movie. It's just so you have a whole picture of what you're saying, <laughs> what you're putting out there. <laughs> That's very cautionary. Now I see why it's a cautionary tale. Yeah. Not because of the movie, but yeah. because of David Cronenberg. Yeah, the next person who gets canceled is going to be a person who, like, a celebrity who, like, their fucking Amazon receipts come out and it turns out they bought Crash on two different formats. That's already happened. I guarantee you that was on the Epstein Island. Yeah, dude, dude you have to imagine there's got to be some... Epstein probably loved Crashes. <laughs> Fuck. He's probably jerking off to a Crash when he hung himself. Yeah, hung himself. Classic joke, yeah, yeah. classic turnaround. What are you giving this movie? I'm giving. Looking at my other scores, man. It yeah, made, I would be it, too. It, I it, wish... it makes some of my. Where's my fucking paper? Like I lost my scoreboard paper. That was very valuable. Did I throw it out? I, I must know. have. 
That's so fucked up. Like, am I gonna sit here? I hate that now. You I, only have. Am it. I gonna sit here and say that this movie is on the same level as Cats? Yeah, I went straight to Cats. <laughs> I gave it a three point one. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. This is gonna offset a lot of my scores. This is a a real dark horse in terms of upsetting the way that we do business around here, Dan. <laughs> welcome to six B, baby. Well, welcome to Dan Endenverse for the millionth time, where I'm like. Challenged with garbage. <laughs> Did you? What would do you like this movie more than Fat Man? I just can't compare the two. <laughs> is there any fra- way is, that I could phrase this? Barely that you could movie. say you like this movie more than. Anything? What did I give Fat Man? A three. Nah, yeah. I mean, look, I have to ask myself right now. Like tonight comes around, right? Right. You and I are hanging out. Yeah. We're drinking beers. Would we put on this over? Jupiter Let's do it that way. Yes, I would put this on over Jupiter Ascending. Okay, what so did I give a Jupiter Ascending? One. Okay, all right. So okay. that means you're already at a two, but it can't be better than Cuties, which you gave a three. Cuties was compelling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we don't know how Dan turned out to be a predator. The, the signs were never there. So you gave Fast and the Furious four a two, and that's about where we're at with this. <laughs> I feel very pigeon held right now, <laughs> score-wise. So, all right, Soul Man or this? What did Soul Man get? You gave it a one. Yeah, I was gonna give this movie a one. Yeah, one. All right, so you equal lo- to Soul Man and what it added to society. So things you like more than <laughs> David Cronenberg's okay. seminal <laughs> Criterion picture. Thanks friend. for doing that. Jersey Girl. Jesus Christ. Oh, I need a minute with that. <laughs> that was that's really damaging to me. Ego wise, what did I give Jersey Girl? A two. Oh my god, I want to lower every score I've ever given on the podcast after watching this movie. Okay. Cats. Yeah, I enjoyed Cats more than this. Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed Sonic. It was at least a movie. But you hated Book of Henry more than this. The Book of Henry. <laughs> I, I will die on the hill that that has got to be one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. But one of the best depictions of Xbox. Fucking cursed content, that movie. Um, What else we got? So Fat Man, Cuties, we touched on all these. Uh, you disliked the Buried Secrets of M. Night Shyamalan more than this movie. That's not true at all. <laughs> I, l- I look back on the buried secrets of M. Night Shyamalan extremely <laughs> fondly. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah. So you would say that David Cronenberg's crash and Soul Man are equal. And Yoga Hosers is worse. Yoga Hosers is worse. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I would say this is equal to Soul Man in just its absolute egregiosity. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, this is no, like Soul Man with fucking th- instead of blackface. <laughs> this is actually a good bit. So now you give me the paper. Okay. Give me your score, and okay. then I'll do some comparisons. That is never good <laughs> in a thousand years' work. Dan just tried to throw a packet. <laughs> Immediately took flight and crashed. I Pun have, intended. I should have turned it into a fucking paper airplane. All right. I don't know what the name of this segment is called. Uh, maybe just like getting your it's ass grilled. It's called self-reckoning. <laughs> it's called me contradicting myself. Yeah. All right. So I'm okay. going to give David Cronenberg's crash a 4.5. Are you fucking sure about that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. It gets points for going there. Points for going 
it, there's something to be said about the impressive degree of filmmaking it takes to make me hate watching Holly Hunter get fucked so much. That's just the statement of a pervert. <laughs> All right, let's talk about things that Dan Endin liked more than this. Okay. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Oh, <laughs> not true. <laughs> not true at all. I hated that. <laughs> Midsommar. <laughs> his face just sucked all the fucking color out of his face. <laughs> I had a worse time watching Midsommar than this. Wow. Yeah, I hate Midsommar. That is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> um, hmm. Let's see. Let's see. I still don't have scores for Fast and Furious 2. Wow, 10 out of 10 for me. That's That was my favorite one, for sure. Um, uh, you gave this a 4.5. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you liked more than this? By a large degree. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I had to re-watch a movie, uh, I would watch this before Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wow, that's... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was just boring. This, at least, I felt something all the time. What I felt was repulsion and disgust, but I felt stuff. <laughs> you enjoyed Fast Five more than this. Oh, yeah. Fast <laughs> Five was awesome. <laughs> Fast Five was so funny. <laughs> I was hammered for Fast Five and loved it. We did The Haunting of Bly Manor? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You and I did? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, we did. The Daunting of Bly Manor. Yeah, you like that more than this. <laughs> See, like is weird you've thro you thrown out a lot of like sixes 6.5s on your scoreboard yeah. that are really coming to roost I right know, now i know i've always <laughs> i've been so so strict on like not going below a five if I, unless it's like purely reprehensible <laughs> and i like this more than bly manor fair enough <laughs> uh <laughs> you like spiral more than this apparently uh. <laughs> See, it, it's tough because you hear that Andre da Dan ended like spiral more than it, crash. It turns out that it's less of a situation of me giving points to the master and more of a situation of me taking away points for the master fucking up. And finally, I want Andre to lean extra hard into his Bose headset right now. <laughs> Dan Enden rated Space Jam 2 higher than David Cronenberg's crash. Space Jam 2, for what it set out to do, was <laughs> wholly inoffensive to me. You, you gave it a 7.1. <laughs> what are you doing? You're just blind. You're blind behind the wheel, boy. I can't. <laughs> I rated Space Jam 2 on, the, that has on to be, the scale on the scale of kids movies. That has to be the worst rating. I, I thought think it was a successful given. children's movie. That has to be the worst one. 7.1 for Space Jam 2 is fucking yeah, no, legendary. Yeah, that movie was terrible. Honestly, legendary. <laughs> it was terrible. Thank you for doing that though. I mean, that'll always be a funny laugh at the end of this segment. We'll yeah. be uh, us reaching that. So what would you say the net impact has been on how you view David Cronenberg as a filmmaker? Honestly, it has gone down a little bit. <laughs> not a lot, though, because like it's not even like uh, a lot of other guys out there that kind of fuck up in between every good one that they make as they get older, because this dude has gone through like multiple renaissances. Um, 
I'm so excited for Crimes of the Future. Oh yeah. Um, I'm so excited for the movie. Like what he's doing with Think Cassella about what he's been that. saying about like the visceral reaction to his new movie. Like he he made this movie. What could he have done here? What? Yeah. <laughs> I think he's forgetting that he made Crash. This is a movie that like, yeah, should should really just just not have happened for me. It's just really a bummer because like I saw it was 96 and I was like, damn, there's so, so much potential for what this could be about to be. That's where my real disappointment comes in mm. because like, I, I, I did hate it at all levels, <laughs> but at the same time, like I got what Cronenberg was doing and I got why he picked that book. If that's the topic of the book, it's a very Cronenbergian idea. Um, just sucked. <laughs> sucked ass. I just don't understand why it looked like such shit. It was just terrible. I mean, it was like really shot like a softcore porn. Like, it literally was shot like a Skinamax flick. Real bad. I want to do zero out of ten, but I can't. <laughs> the, the only thing giving it a one is just David Cronenberg's name. <laughs> Again, if you came to me and you were like, uh, this is director Brian Singer's first movie. Uh, <laughs> You'd be like, be of like, course it is. I'd be like, hey, this is so much better for the podcast. Because I don't have to like damn one of my heroes. Right. But also, um, you know, that's he's probably a pedophile. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, we'll be revisiting Rosanna Arquette later this season. Will we? For what? For the whole nine yards. Oh, that one's deep, deep in left field. <laughs> That one's deep down the field. <laughs> we'll get there, though. Technically, now anytime you say um, this season, it will make sense. Yeah. <laughs> because we are in an unending, unending season. <laughs> unending. Um, I guess that's it, right? Yeah. I feel pretty good about it. I mean, it. what could be said about Crash that hasn't already been said about I Afghanistan? Don't know. <laughs> that's a classic from around here. Baby. <laughs> We done. Are we done? I guess we're done. Should press stop. Uh, shout out to David Cronenberg for making the Jews look not like Hollywood pedophiles. He's not doing something you, like a large amount for our people, but you would have to figure this gave a lot of wind to the sails of that conspiracy theory. What doesn't? 